From our headquarters in Oslo, Norway, and on behalf of our host, Robbie Peralta, welcome to the Mnemonic Security Podcast. I don't consider myself a veteran in the industry, but I've been here long enough to notice that we say the same things over and over again, perhaps with a slight twist and a buzzword in between. I've also noticed that we're really keen on working with all this cool new stuff to hit the market when we probably should be spending more time on the boring fundamentals. But every once in a while, we get to combine the cool new stuff with the basics. And for this episode, I'm thinking of asset management. You know, the good old, if you don't know what assets you have, how can you protect them? Right? Old news, I know, but no offense. Chances are that even though you've heard of the importance of asset management a million times, your organization still hasn't gotten this quite right. So, why asset intelligence and why now? We've invited an old friend on to update us on the status of the market because apparently it's not as hard as it used to be. Brian Contos, welcome back to the podcast. Robbie, it's great to be back. Is this is this our third time or fourth time together? I can't remember. I had to go back and check myself. It's a fourth time. Four so, times. Uh, do I get the bomber jacket? I was just going to say, I'm going to send you a trophy or a, at least a t-shirt, maybe a bomber jacket like you say now. You deserve it. Right. Thank get you so up, much for coming there. back. Oh man, it's awesome to be here. I, I love I love your podcast. It's uh, probably one of my favorite podcasts out there. That's uh, it's an honor to hear. It's an honor to have you here. I um for those that don't uh, remember or know you, uh, a serial entrepreneur. I think yeah, I believe that's on your LinkedIn. Yeah. Uh, I like that word. Um, <laughs> yeah, so many companies, 10, 15 companies that you've been a part of. You know, a, a very vital part of. And I would say, not that I have any. Um, any research behind those numbers, but you know, I bet I would assume all of those have sort of been incorporated into the big, big giants that are the top ten vendors today. Yeah, way, you know, it's, it's interesting. Yeah, there's been a lot of a lot of acquisition in this space. There always has been. Um, security is kind of led by the startups, these you know, these specialized solutions, and then they become part of a larger organization for scalability issues and things like that. But yeah, the great majority of them are. Um, very few of them are, are still just standalone companies. So that's an interesting point. Cool, cool. Well, I, I remember saying to you last time, um, last episode you are on was about uh, Internet of Things. And yeah. you worked for a company called Phosphorus, and I remember that because it was the, the tip of the match, Phosphorus. That's right, that's right. I was at a party one day, and they were like, what's that? And I, I had the winning answer. I thought of you immediately. Did you? Oh, so well, you I'm that. so yeah. glad. Party I, tricks. I am known for party <laughs> tricks. There you go. Right? Cool. <laughs> Still working very closely. Great company. Uh, very focused on uh, you know, ex, you know the, the internet of things and OT and medical devices, et cetera. Really cool stuff. Um, but I've taken an operational role as the uh, chief strategy officer with a company by the name of Sevco. And Sevco really is uh, what we call asset intelligence. I've got all these assets and how do I manage them? How do I even know what I have? How do I know how secure they are? And how do I do some type of telemetry and analytics upon those assets so I can get value across again, IT, security, and GRC? Just really taking this, this kind of legacy issue that people are never really able to get to work quite right and actually making it work now and making it scalable in a cloud-native approach. Right. And does this fall under the umbrella of uh, attack surface management? Yeah, you could 
you could probably put this in in a couple a couple different categories. Uh, chasm is one of the one of the areas that people might uh, might register as. They might look at something like uh, vulnerability hunting, not threat hunting, but vulnerability hunting. Uh, it's it's one of those spaces that I would say is foundational to everything else. So if you're trying to do anything else in security or IT or GRC, but you don't have an up to date and highly accurate real-time scalable solution to kind of say, this is all my stuff. These are my devices. These are my users. These are my applications. Um, you know, these devices should have CrowdStrike, Malwarebytes, Automox, and uh, Lumino installed on them. Well, if I go to CrowdStrike, it's going to tell me where CrowdStrike is installed. <laughs> if I go to Automox, it's going to tell me where Automox is installed. But I've got nothing that correlates the assets so the best way I, I think of it, it's just because of my background from my SIM days at ArcSite, is <laughs> it's almost like SIM, but instead of for events, it's for your assets because it's correlating all of that rich asset telemetry together. So you actually have sort of this, I guess, source of truth, if you will, that says, tell me everything about this asset, the applications it runs, the security devices. Is it, if it has CrowdStrike on it, is it the latest version? When's the last time it communicated with the CrowdStrike management uh, solution? Uh, what users have access to that? What do those users have access to other systems as well? And kind of correlating all that rich data and then feeding that up into other solutions like SIM, like CMDB, like source solutions. So again, that's why I say it's foundational. And one of the coolest things is in the ArcSight days, and this is SIM in general actually, but I'll just from my days, one of the hardest things was integrating with all these different event sources. I got syslog from here, syslog next generation, SNMP version one, SNMP version three, checkpoint opsec. I've got all these different, in some cases, proprietary communication paths, and then they give me event data, and I've got to figure out how to parse it. And then they come out with a new release, and they don't tell you how it changed, so you got to reparse it again. And then you multiply that by hundreds, if not thousands of devices. It was nightmarish. Mm. Uh, for Sevco, it's API-based. So it makes API calls from the cloud uh, into all the management solutions. So not the devices themselves, but the devices that manage those devices. So <laughs> you might have 5, 10, 15, 20 sources, and it has a real-time API connection into the cloud and then correlates all that information together. And that's asset management's been around for a long time. In fact, a lot of companies just do it with like Google Sheets. They'll go... Here's a laptop. This laptop belongs to Robbie. This laptop is Windows. <laughs> this is the version. It's running these things. Next one. This laptop's Brian's. And you, you, it might sound funny, uh, but it's more sad because it's actually the truth. And I've seen people with really fancy spreadsheets, pivot tables and this and that. And kudos to them for their ninja-like spreadsheet tools. <laughs> but by the time you get to line 20,000 of that, uh, the first 10,000 lines are already out of date because uh, – Everything just changes so quick, especially when you start talking about SaaS applications and you bring in IoT devices like we talked about from Phosphorus earlier. Um, but this is easy. Uh, one of the coolest things is we, we just did a road show and we were at a, a steakhouse and we told people, hey, bring your laptop and bring a couple API keys and we'll just show you how quick it is. And in less than five minutes, we actually connected to three different sources Brought that in, normalized, aggregated, correlated, deduplicated, which is a big deal in this space, and then pulling everything together into real usable data that that 
they can they can you know execute on again from security IT or GRC and that was that was just in a few minutes at a Morton Steakhouse uh, between between appetizers I mean it's so <laughs> cool there there was POCs I've done in the sim space that took two years <laughs> let alone two minutes so it's really cool to have something that's so easy to turn up it's kind of it's it's self service if you will for customers uh, and it's applicable not just to the you know the big global two thousands Fortune five hundreds but also that that middle of the pyramid, if you will, those companies that are, they're big enough to have a problem, but they've got maybe one or two people that deal with all these things and they just don't have the cycles. Um, mm. And it's really great done through MSSPs as well. So they're really small folks, really small people that might have thousands of devices, which is still enough. You still want to track them. You still want to feed that into your CMDB or whatever other controls you have, but you just don't have the resources. So an MSSP can do it. So mm -hmm. out of all those companies you mentioned early on, this is the first one that I've been part of, and it's so fun doing this, where you're focusing on not just the top of the pyramid, but the middle and the, and the lower uh, third as well. So it's, uh, it's really nice. It's really refreshing being able to go into a, an event and do a speech and people say, well, how does this apply to small and medium? And my answer being, I'm sorry, it's not priced for that. I, w mm. I wish we had a solution, but we don't. And now I can say, hey, it's, it's priced effectively for you. And if you don't have the resources, you can outsource it to an MSSP. Uh, so that's pretty fun. I feel like asset uh, inventory has been like a thing since I started in the industry, right? like 10 years sure. ago. And it kind of like, you know, it was never like gone, but it was just not as hot. But now I was just at, um, what is it called? Infosec. I was at some conference now in Denmark. Um, and yeah, there was like four or five companies I've never heard of there. And all of them are talking about asset inventory all over again. It's, uh, he here's the thing. It's not like you walk around RSA, for example, or in a few months, Black Hat. And what are people going to be talking about? Chat GPT, AI, it, as well they should, because those those types of events follow these specific trends, and there's things there that we certainly need to be focused on. Um, asset management, it's not greenfield. It's been around for a long time, uh, but it's been kind of clunky. I mean, the solutions people are leveraging today were built you know, years and years ago, and they didn't really work that well back then. With today's environments, with, with SaaS and IoT and, and you know, systems being spun up and, and torn down and, and like Amazon cloud environments and things like that, um, and just the sheer volume of devices, it has to be cloud native, one. So if you don't have a cloud native solution, forget it. It's just not geared to work in today's world. So I, I think this is a space that's uh, definitely going through a renaissance, and we're just seeing a new generation of these solutions. And not that different than when, you know, the initial firewalls came out and then we started seeing new generations of firewalls and new capabilities come out in that space too. Mm. I mean, the first thing I think of is uh, you can't protect what you don't know you have or whatever, right? So that's super obvious. Yeah. And yeah. Um, you mentioned that you had, um, uh, you know, you're having chats with GRC and different parts of these business that you were usually weren't talking to. What are some of their use cases that, you know, so all those other security tools that you've purchased for incident prevention and incident detection and incident response and intel, they're not operating at their highest level of ROI. Why? Because they're depending on known, known goodness, if you will, known truth within those assets. Just like Sims. If you're feeding Sims bad data from your IPS solutions and your, your syslog information and your uh, firewalls, it's not going to give you good information because it's bad information going in. And we're mm. seeing folks now that have spent a lot of money on CMDB and SOAR and all these other solutions. And nothing against those tools, 
but they're relying on broken data going in. So garbage in, garbage out, if you will. So it really folds into so many things. It's almost like saying, man, it's important that your power's always on. It's important that you have network connectivity. And I would say it's also foundational and important that you know everything you can about your assets. And that's, that's kind of what the folks in GRC are looking at. How can we ensure that what's feeding into our tools and our reports and so we can check our boxes is absolutely the best, most accurate, most timely information possible. So the GRC teams are actually pretty keen to have access to a solution like this, it seems. So you are officially the, uh, the asset inventory, um, I'm gonna call it the sales pitch, right? What other sort of conversations, like uh, somebody's listening to this and says, okay, yeah, cool, you know, this has been, this is not being handled in a proper way internally. What are some of the arguments besides, you know, having visibility into your assets? Like what are the other, some of the things that you've, uh, you've had a conversation that really got like the hook and the attention from who you were speaking with? You know, they're finding that during a compromise that it feels like the attackers know more about their environment than they do. They're doing a better job at mapping out their critical assets, taking advantage of systems that are unmanaged or undermanaged, and using those to maintain persistence and using those to evade, uh, evade detection. We don't, we don't know where our assets are. If a, bad, if a nefarious actor compromises one, we might not find out for weeks, months, sometimes years. Like the average dwell time during quiet exit, which was an attack that got in through a phishing, phishing attack onto someone's laptop, then pivoted to things like security cameras and printers and things of this nature, was two years. It was two years before people found out that those devices had been compromised and were then being used to attack IT assets and steal sensitive data and cloud assets and steal sensitive data. Two years because they have these assets, but they weren't monitoring them. They weren't ensuring that they were secure. And to be quite honest, they probably didn't even know they had them. It, maybe some group somewhere knew about these devices, but the security group didn't know about it. The IT group probably didn't know about it. The GRC team didn't know about it. So they didn't even know if they were secure and how they were supposed to be defined and things like that. That's crazy. It's crazy to think that you're in a large enterprise that a potential nefarious actor can know more about your environment than you do. So that, that was a big one. That was a really, really big one. Um, we also had a group that came to us and said that they have what they call Hell Week, and they do it every single quarter. And it's essentially their ability to try to track down all their critical assets by manually going to those management consoles, trying to figure out, okay, tell me everything CrowdStrike knows. Tell me everything Silence knows. Tell me everything Illumio. Tell me everything Automox. Tell me everything all these things. And then try to manually correlate and deduplicate that. What a nightmare. No wonder they called that Hell Week. So there's all these manual processes <laughs> built around those things. So I, I, I think that's the... Those are the two kind of leading ones from a technical side. From a, a business perspective, it's all about ROI. It's like, look, man, I've spent a lot of money on SIM and SOAR and CMDB, and um, I don't have good foundational asset information, which means those solutions aren't going to do as well as they could be. I might as well just deal with incident response, and every time an attacker compromises our network, I just focus on responding to it and trying to you know, fix all the holes in the dam. Right. Mm. None of us think that that's a good approach. But unfortunately, if people aren't getting value from their solutions, it's kind of like that. So um, I'm obviously very biased here because if you say it, I believe it's true. But let's just say that in the future, right, the, the way you're doing things like this API uh, way of, of collecting this information and holding and correlating. Let's say that's the future, the next five years. Right. So people slowly but surely get over there. 
Uh, and now I'm going to bring in this um, futuristic element, which you're also very good at. Uh, what happens then? Like uh, what, you know, everybody's talking about ChatGPT and all this. Like uh, mm-hmm. I've, I would assume that if that your, your, your own product, maybe within a few years, you'll be able to like talk to it, ask it questions and it could maybe, I know that's not there. You're not going to talk about your roadmap and stuff, but what sort of cool things would you then be able to do? Like how much better would your products be in the, you know, in the coming years if this was in place and people started building on top of it? Yeah, yeah, no, ab- absolutely fair question. And I think that's the direction actually it's going, to be honest, because uh, I'll, I'll just talk to our solution because I, I, I know it best. So any attack service management solution slash asset intelligence solution uh, needs a way to query. So, for example, I want you to show me all instances of CrowdStrike that haven't communicated with this CrowdStrike console in the last 14 days or any device that isn't obfuscated isn't on the do not install CrowdStrike list that's not running CrowdStrike. And I want to be able to just run that query. Mm. Or I want you to show me every device that Robbie has accessed in the past three weeks that don't belong to this particular domain and are not in Europe. Boom. So again, having a a way to do these queries uh, and do this type of analysis from a human perspective is valuable. Now, to your point, can AI help with that? What if there's certain things that uh, there's some predictive analytics and things like that that can be leveraged here, not just anomaly detection and pattern discovery and volumetric analysis or or temporal analysis, but something that's, you know, true AI that can say, oh, well, this looks unusual or that looks unusual. Uh, This is something that you didn't query for, but perhaps you should. Well, this Mm. is what's really cool about having a cloud environment. With a cloud environment, well, we're not pulling in sensitive information from any customers um, in that cloud environment. We do, our system has an essence of the queries that are being run, how they're being run, and the types of information that's being returned. And an AI engine could learn from that, right? Could learn mm. based on what's what's being produced there. So if this is working for these five customers over here, it might work for these other 5,000 customers over here. So I think there's a way to take advantage of that in a very automated way, as opposed to today, situations like that usually work out why engineers are looking at this data and they're doing manual analysis and they're saying, okay, we think this might make sense. Let's let's kind of make this what we call like a, a global query so it's applicable to all customers and everybody can use it. I think mm. AI is going to be able to help with that a lot, actually. Yeah. And if I can say, I need information on this device that's in the cloud with this level of detail from this IP address at 7 a.m. two weeks ago. Boom, 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 boom. Pull that together. That's really cool. Because if I write a query for that, maybe it takes me uh, a minute or so to, to produce that query that I'm looking for. But if I've got AI, it says, oh, yeah, let me let me work with you to build this. And by the way, do you want to consider this a variable too? Or should we obfuscate that now? It gets the results. Mm, let's tweak that again. You know, that's really cool. So I think being able to interact with the query to kind of get where you need mm. to go, because not everything will be self-evident. You might start going down a path and find something completely different using AI than you expect you were going to see. And the, the example I think about when I, when I say that is one of my first startups, well, actually my very first startup was Riptech. And it was with Amit Yaron, Tim Belcher, Grant Geyer, Amit's now the CEO of Tenable. I had just left Bell Labs. I had just left, moved back from Brazil to the United States. And you know we were just kids. We were sitting on spools of like RJ45 cable. So a startup in the truest, truest sense of the word. <laughs> but the point was we were this MSSP. And before we sold to Symantec, 
we, uh, we, we had this SOC, the Security Operations Center. We'd have all these queries that we put in there across the customer data to look for malicious activity. Well, one time we were looking for um, credit card information that might be leaking out of the network, people that are accidentally or intentionally sending credit cards. So we had these, these, different, uh, these different queries that we put together. Well, we put together this one query to look for credit cards, and it was catching. It would, it would catch and say, hey, this person sent off sensitive information, something you need to be aware of. But it also ended up tagging on to some actual attacks that were just being used for data exfiltration that had nothing to do with credit cards, just because of the logic of the way that the, the queries were put together. So while we designed it for one thing, it helped us with a completely another thing that wasn't necessarily intuitive to how we thought about it. And mm. I think AI is really going to help with that thing. I mean, it can make what we think we should do easier, but I'm hoping what it will do is help find new paths to go down that we didn't necessarily consider. And because of that, I think AI augmenting human intuition could be really, really valuable in, in security across the board. But specifically looking at prevention, detection, and response, I think these areas will benefit greatly from AI integration. Mr. Contos, every time I uh, talk to you, I feel like I'm an expert in something. So now I'm an <laughs> expert in uh, asset intelligence. That makes but one of us. <laughs> in reality, I'm just uh, I'm just a fanboy of Sevco now. But uh, I guess that's uh, always good for you guys. Well, thank you so much Ronnie. for your time. It's always great. Yep. Always a pleasure. And uh, as I said last time, uh, in your next venture, still it doesn't matter if you're in phosphorus or in Sevco. You got to let me know, and you'll be back again. <laughs> Absolutely, buddy. Thanks so much. With the trophy. Thank you so much. Yeah, that's right. Talk Take soon. Care. Ciao. Bye bye. Well, that's all for today, folks. Thank you for tuning in to the Mnemonic Security Podcast. If you have any concepts or ideas that you'd like us to discuss on future episodes, please feel free to hit me up on LinkedIn or to send us a mail to podcast at mnemonic.no. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.